Great show today talking Olympics men's golf with my good friend, the first guest on this podcast ever, Luke Martin. But before we get to the show, I want to talk about BetUS. BetUS is an online legal sportsbook in all 50 states. They have the best numbers on the marketplace all the time. I could not imagine not having BetUS in my arsenal. I love it not just because of the golf odds that they will hang, but also because of their fast, secure, and easy payout. So make sure to go to BetUS.com and use promo code PICKTHEPUP. That is the important part. Use promo code PICKTHEPUP for a 125% bonus on your first deposit at BetUS.com. Let's get to the show. Okay, Luke Walker's here, owner of Luke Sweated Out on Twitter, a very popular Twitter that has had quite the season this year. Luke was actually my first guest on this podcast ever, first one. It was the match play at the end of March. Luke said yes to being on my podcast when I literally had 17 followers on Twitter. Since then, this podcast has grown a lot. And you, Luke, have hit about what? Like nine more winners since then? So look how far we've come, man. Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's- I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that your, your followership has grown by about a thousandfold. Uh, since those days and, and it's all well deserved man you're doing great work and cranking out a lot of content and um you know work speaks for itself people are are tuning in and i love it i appreciate it man and uh like i alluded to you are doing some pretty great work as well um did you we can do a little 3m at the top but i think it was both relatively disappointing for both of us we had some guys in the mix and we didn't have cameron champ yeah, I'm I'm super ready to let last weekend of golf betting go. You know, I post picks for all the tours, and I had uh, Lee Six in the LPGA, uh, the major championship, and she had a five-stroke 54-hole lead that she coughed up um, and lost in a playoff. Had her 35 to one. Dylan Wu, who I bet like every week in the Corn Ferry Tour, at 100 to one every week, he comes in at like 40 to one. I was like, yeah, screw that, he wins. And then yeah, in the 3M, it was like it seemed like all my guys were hanging around and then they got to the back nine and just put balls in the water and three putted. And yeah, it was just ugly, man. I I'm ready to let that one go. So this is a decent transition to the Olympics with all of these no name players in the field. Since you are like the only person that I'm friends with that bets the European tour a lot and like the corn fairy tour a lot. Are you like licking your chops a little bit this week because you actually know some of these guys or these guys are even too obscure for you? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few names that are too obscure even for me. Um, and then there's quite a few that I'm like, Hey, you know, I've been, I've bet this guy on the, on the Euro tour and I've kind of been like following him. And it's just interesting because just because I know, you know, it's a lot like majors, you know, in majors, I see all these guys that I just love on the European tour and, and, you know, all these random guys coming up from corn Ferry, whatever. And I'm like, I love this guy. He's 250 to one. Like let's, you know, five yeah. bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. And it, cause it's fun to bet it. Um, those guys have no chance most of the time. And, and I think that that's pretty true for most of the obscure names in this, uh, Olympic field is, you know, this is four, four days of stroke play. Like the, the cream will rise to the top. Eventually. I think you kind of mentioned that in your preview, um, you know, there's some, there's some really high quality at the top. So these guys at the bottom, while it's really fun and it's cool for them to be there representing their obscure countries and all that, I don't know what real chance they have to win the event, but I'm on my throat, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks here on a, on a couple guys. 
I would agree with that sentiment. I've I've basically locked into a few guys at the top and haven't really done too much dumpster diving at the bottom. Do you think that this matters in terms of measuring a golfer's career? Like, is this is this meaningful to you? Like, if say Rory wins, are you going to use in arguments later for Rory? Like, yeah, and he has an Olympic gold medal too. I think it's uh, very much a thing that's going to be used like only if it's positive, right? Like, if yeah. he wins, you include like, oh, Justin Rose has a gold medal, like you know, in, in a addition to his whatever 20 something wins and his major and, you know, and a gold medal, but like, you'll never say, Oh, he never won a gold medal or he never won an Olympic medal. Like, man, no, you know, who really cares at the end of the day? Like, so I think it's a thing that you won't use it as a negative ever, but if a guy wins, it's really cool. And I think for some of these guys, the nationality, the pride of their nationality, you know, will make it more important to them, whether that makes it more important to us, like, yeah, you know, not really 60 man field, weird course we've never seen most of it's going to happen all of us are we're all sleeping you know so yeah at the end of the day i think it's pretty easy to forget like and i think that these guys probably a lot of them would be more happy to win a standard pga tour event because that's going to be more meaningful for their career you know guys who win a pga tour event and lock up two years of exemption and you know make tens of millions of dollars because of of that time that they get to spend on tour I think that they would trade that for a medal most of the time. Here's where I've landed on it. If Xander wins, I think it's a really big deal. And if anyone else wins, it doesn't fucking matter. That's my take. That's what I've decided. Fair take. Yeah. Hey, I'm into it. (laughs) Um, All right, man. Well, as you mentioned, this is kind of like a WGC event. There are a lot of good players in this field and there are some really bad players in this field as well. I'm going to say it once. You're welcome to say it as many times as you want on this podcast, but I'm going to say Kasuma Gaseki Country Club East Course once and then um, attempt, hopefully not to have to say it for the rest of this podcast, but it's a par 71. It's measuring 7,447 yards, bent grass greens, Zoysia fairways. It's a Charles Allison design, which doesn't really matter because Tom Fazio totally redesigned it in 2016, but what are you looking at here, Luke? And it's okay to say absolutely nothing because we don't have a ton on this course. Yeah. So I actually, um, I really tried to dig in as hard as I could to the course, because I think that, you know, if we're handicapping an, an event that we don't have stroke gain stats or any sort of, you know, course history to go off of the only thing that we can do that we can logically like, you know, tangibly point to something rather than just throwing darts is, is digging into the course as much as possible. And so like I, I went on, you know, Wikipedia and I was like, okay, Charles Allison, who the hell's that? You know, I don't, I don't know who that is. And so I, I click on his, um, his Wikipedia page. And, you know, one of the first things I see is that he, he worked with Harry Colt, John Morrison and Alistair McKenzie. And so obviously there's a name there that, Augusta, that is, yeah. is, yeah, exactly. Augusta. And so this course was built or designed in 1930. Those four guys, they, they started a company together, a design company in 1928. So my first thought is, Hey, this guy probably designs golf courses like McKenzie, maybe, Mm -hmm. hopefully, I don't know. He probably got some of his ideas and his, and his, uh, you know, themes and, and all that from, from them. And so obviously the first thought is, uh, is to go to Augustine. So I think that that's the kind of main comp that has been made. And it might be a little lazy, but 
um, and doing some of the, like the flyovers and stuff. That's, that's the visual that I get as well. You know, I mean, even down to like the square tee boxes and just kind of, it's very open, it seems. And it, it, you know, the, the fairways are very wide, very little rough than immediate trees and, and that kind of stuff. And then um, obviously the Fazio redesign, which probably was pretty significant. It sounds like, and so I started thinking about, okay, what do we know about Fazio? What are, what's the main course that we've seen? That's a true Fazio design rather than a redesign. Um, and that was shadow Creek. And then yep. the whole thing about shadow Creek was Steve Wynn brought him in to build Augusta national in the desert. Right. So, so it comes back to Augusta again for me and then looking at it again, you know, and looking at, at Fazio designs and redesigns, a lot of them are these Carolina courses. Um, so I think that all of these kind of courses, what they have in common is that, that Carolina feel, the tree line, very classical, big greens, undulating greens. And so I think that that's kind of where, where I went as far as like, what is this similar to design wise is some of those, you know, Augusta national Carolina style courses, the shadow Creek, that kind of thing. And then, um, just based on where it is in the world, you know, I looked at some of the Kuala Lumpur's and Shishans and nine bridges and and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of where I I started. And then I actually did a pretty like deep dive into, um, let's hear it. So, so I went on the Bushnell app. (laughs) Okay. So I don't know if, if people use this or not, but Bushnell has their like range finder with the, GPS in it and you can hook it up. You can find any course in the world on this thing and you can look at, you know, you can drag the little cursor and see how far everything is. And so it's like, I started going through hole by hole. And the thing that I started noticing a lot was that at about 275 yards, real open, real big, nice landing zone. Once you get between like 200 and 275 and 300, things get real tight and there's bunkers right there. So I focused a lot. I didn't focus on driving distance at all. I don't, I don't care about driving distance um, because I think that it's neutralized almost, almost every hole. You can't hit the ball 300 yards or you're, you have to hit it, you know, on a string 300 yards. If you're, if you're trying to hit 300 yards, if you're hitting 275, you're going to be in the biggest part of the fairway. You're going to have the ability to be on the left or the right side, whichever side you want to come into the green at. And you're going to be short of the bunkers and all the trouble. So that was kind of, kind of where I started figuring this course out. So then, it, you know, if you hit that 275 on a lot of these holes, what you're going to be left with is a lot of wedges. So I, I think that you, you talked about that in your preview that it's, you know, focusing heavily on wedge game. Um, the other thing is there's the long par fives. A couple of them are not going to be reachable. So you're going to be, yeah. you know, drive, no layup, wedge. Then the length is all in the par par threes. It seems like mm-hmm. really, really long par threes. And I, I don't think that they're like elevated greens where you're coming down. I think they're truly long par threes. So that was kind of, that was kind of my breakdown of the course. I think Luke, you came with ammo field. today, dude. I did, man. I, <laughs> I've been waiting to be invited back on the podcast. <laughs> disappoint. Well, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think as the day has gone on, the comp that I have settled on the most is the November Masters because I think that from what I've heard that Japan gets a lot of rain over this time of year, it's been a hot and humid summer and the course um, is not super firm and fast. It's 
it's playing kind of wet. And I think back to that November Masters where mm-hmm. it it wasn't a true Augusta. Um, it wasn't firm and fast whatsoever. I think DJ won at like 16 under. The scoring average was, they broke scoring average records and all that stuff. So that every, was kind of- Every record, yeah. Got that, that was kind of where I landed this week. Like a kind of an amalgamation of Shadow Creek, a November Masters, Quail Hollow, an easier version of Quail Hollow, not the way that they had it for the PGA Championship, but even easier than their regular Wells Fargo event. And then I like Sherwood as well, um, where which is just another bent grass course in California. It's a Nicholas design, but um, it has kind of big undulating sloping greens and a lot of scorable holes. So I'm with you. I kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. And I feel pretty good about my handicap of this week with the uh, limited knowledge that I that we have at our fingertips. But let's dive into the odds, man. You ready to go? Let's do it. Okay, so 20 and below, all of these odds, Luke, are courtesy of BetUS, but feel free to throw out any other numbers that you've gotten on, guys. I would encourage everyone to shop around because it does kind of vary. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that made some moves before the withdrawals of Rom and Bryson. I was not one of those guys. So we're just going to talk about these numbers that we have here in front of us. Colin Morikawa, your guy is seven to one, a very deserving favorite. Um, Absolutely. Xander's nine to one, Justin Thomas, 10 to one Rory. I'm seeing at 12. I'm also seeing Hideki at 12 Hovland at 14 Casey at 16 and Reed at 18. Let's stop there. Those are the guys below 20. Are you digging into this range at all, Luke? I think that, you know, normally this wouldn't be a a range that I'm super interested in, but I think you kind of have to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so top heavy that, you know, all logic points to one of these guys coming through and, and all the things I just talked about, about, you know, if you can hit a 275 in the fairway and then have a nice iron or low iron or wedge, that all points to our boy Colin Morikawa. I mean, it's like you said, very deserving favorite. I think that this course almost seems like it was just set up perfectly for him. So if that's the way you want to go, you know, all power to you, go for it. That's just a little, I just don't want to, I just don't want to. Yeah. But you know, some of these guys, I think, you know, a Hideki at 12 makes sense. Victor rates out perfectly in my model. I think he's, he's number number one, one just about any way that I weighed it. And even, you know, Justin Thomas, if you got if you've got a lot of wedges in your hand, Justin Thomas is, should be in play. Rory, you know, should be in play. All all these guys under twenty to one that you named, I think are are worthy of the number that they are based on the limited number of elite guys that are in the field. So, I think that it's it's worth a look at some of these guys. I personally have I've fired on one in under twenty so far, and that's Paul Casey. Oh man, I was not expecting that. I was yeah, expecting, I, 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 I was going to guess that you were maybe considering another Morikawa single bullet week. Mm-hmm. I did briefly consider it, but um, <laughs> I just, I want to have a little bit of fun with it, you know, have a few guys. And I think, you know, when I, when I ran the model, Casey, you know, just like every week, if you're looking at the ball striking statistics, he's going to rate out super well. If you're looking at the putting statistics, he's going to rate out super average. And so you know, for my model, what I was looking at pretty heavily was the plus 200 proximity. Um, I think I did 20 last 24 rounds, you know, he's second, um, in the 125 to 150, where I think most of your shots on par fours are going to come from. 
he rated out third um, in that that time frame. And then, you know, strokes game approach, he was second. Birdies are better, he was seventh. Just really rated out well. And then some of the comp courses, the Wells Fargo's of the world, he's been really good. He had some really good finishes at, at the CJ Cup. You know, and he's just his form this season is just spectacular. He's not winning PGA events. He had a, a Euro win. He's had really good finishes at the Masters. I think that I, I got him at 16. I can't remember what you said he was, but I think that's yeah. a fair fair number in this field. So I went with Paul Casey. Interesting. Okay, I have nothing bad to say about Paul Casey. I really like Paul Casey. I think he's going to win a major in his mid 40s. I bet him at every single major this year. He's an unbelievable ball striker, and those guys always draw me in. He rates out incredibly well for me as well, as he does every week. I haven't made a move here yet, man, and I was kind of ready to go with Reed on like my first thought. I thought people are going to overrate this thing with the time difference and stuff like that, and he's going to be he's going to be the guy that no one's talking about and everyone's count, counting him out. And then I thought about it more like he's getting there on Wednesday. Apparently he's not even going to get to play a practice round. I feel like every time I try and get cued and factor fatigue, I always get it wrong, which is why I was initially leaning his way. I feel like it matters way less than people think it does like in general in a vacuum. But at the same time, I feel like this situation, it's like, it's kind of a big ass for him, man. Like he's not going to have his regular caddy either. It's going to be this guy, Kevin Kirk, who is his coach. Um, all these guys are like, I've been tracking what Xander's up to. And all these guys have been grinding on this course for like multiple days. And Reed is just totally coming in at the 11th hour. Maybe that frees him up. Who knows? He's probably on the sharper side because not a lot of people are talking about him, but I just, it feels like a big ass for me. So maybe Hovland for me, but I, I still like, I'm gun shy on all of these guys. We don't have to talk yeah. about all of them, but like, I have a reason why I can't get there on every single one of these guys. So I think there's reason. a couple things about Reed in my model. He rates out perfectly. You know, I, driving distance is not going to be super important. His short game and putting is going to be really good on the undulating greens. We've seen mm -hmm. him win a masters as far as the fatigue factor. Patrick Reed plays as much as anybody on tour. You he know, does. he's, He's not Sung JM quite, but I mean, as far as the the elites go, he plays all the time. He likes to travel over to Europe and play European tour events. So he's not, you know, new to playing a lot and traveling a lot. And, you know, I don't know if, if, if not knowing the course that well matters that much, you know, I, I, and, or being fatigued matters that much, you know, sometimes that kind of works in your favor. I don't know if you've ever played too many hungover rounds of golf, but sometimes you play your <laughs> best golf and you're hungover, yes. kind of feeling a little sick, you know, just yeah. kind of kind of loose and stuff. And I could see that with Reed. Um, one of the narratives that all week is just getting played up a ton in particular to two, you know, Korean golfers is, is the motivation factor. And I think Reed is, is very highly motivated. Um, for one, he got in because Bryson's out. So that's, yeah. that's, I think something that he would, he wants to show up and be like, yeah, I, I deserve to be here to begin with. Um, you know, he's the captain of America. He's, he's always, trying to represent in Ryder cups and president's cups and, and the Olympics, I think would be super important to read. I think that what we talked about earlier, like, does it matter? Does it change your perception on a guy? I think Reed to himself winning a gold medal would be a huge deal. I agree with that. I agree with that completely. I think there are, listen, I think that, a, I think that everybody that's playing here 
winning a gold medal would be a huge deal to them. Like Xander's whole half side on his mom's side is from Japan. Like this is, he's wanted to go to this event for his entire life. I think it, I think it matters to all of these guys, even the Rory quote where I talked about this a little bit in my, in my Sunday show, but I was like, Rory, you caught a guy like five minutes after he just finished up finishing like 40th at the British Open. It was like extremely disappointing to him. That's the biggest tournament of the year for him. Like, of course, he's going to be a little bit dejected. I think we sometimes read into these quotes a little bit too much. No one played Morikawa at the Open because he had one quote about the way his irons felt during the turf. Like, do I I think Rory does care, man. I, I, I don't see, I think... I guess my point is is the motivation factor, and I've I've talked about this a ton with with the Korean players already. But I, I think that all these guys, maybe it's not military service on the line, but everybody who's here wants to win. Hundred percent, yeah. They wouldn't show up. It's you know a lot of hurdles and it's a crazy travel and just like I don't know what their lodging situation is like. It's probably oh, not. I as, do as nice as it normally is. Yeah, let's so, that. I'm really so curious. Did you know that this this course is like a trek from the Olympic Village? Not close at all. Yeah, yeah it's like 35 miles away from where all these guys are saying. I don't think this is, and you know, they're having to deal with a lot of quarantine stuff. I'm sure, and a lot of regulations in the Olympic Village, which again isn't even close to this course whatsoever. So, like the guys that are here, they're there for a reason. I don't think it is a fun. I don't think it's like going to play the Sony open where they're in Hawaii and loving it. Yeah. I, I think it's right. So wait, so do you have details though on where they're actually staying? No, I just know that it's a huge trek from, uh, I know that it's just far from the Olympic village and like all of the other events are kind of centrally located in Tokyo. And this is like far off in a suburb. That's the extent of my knowledge. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. So, yeah, I think, you know, point is, is they wouldn't be there if, if they weren't motivated. So going back to, you know, the read discussion for me right now, I got, I, I pulled on Paul Casey and it's between Victor and Reed. Obviously the read number is, is better, but I think those two guys are the only other ones under 20 I'd be considering. I'm with you. Hovland is the guy that I keep eyeing. I don't know why I have such a hard time trusting Hovland and taking the plunge. Like yeah. I, I, I rarely ever bet this guy, and I always end up like actively fading him at the majors. He is unbelievably talented, and I like rooting for him too. But at the same time, like he still hasn't done anything yet. And he's gotten anointed very, very quickly. I mean, he's won the yeah. Mayakoba and the Puerto Rico Open. He's never finished top 10 in a major in his life. Yeah, and he won a very weak-filled European Tour event after he had that eye issue at the U.S. Open. Like, and yeah, I'm with you. And and based on what I think the course is going to be like, I think his his biggest strength is neutralized. You know, with not being able to just bomb driver off the tee. You know, iron play is obviously spectacular, so that's going to be a big advantage for him. But I don't know how fast the greens are going to be. But if I think fast, undulating, gigantic greens. That is not Victor Hovland territory for me. So right now it's definitely a lean towards Reed, better number. Um, but man, Hovland is, is just a stud. So I don't know, it's tough. Interesting. Yeah, I'll give you one quick deep cut on Hovland and then I want to move on to the uh, to the next range. But he did play his college golf at Karsten Creek, which is a Tom Fazio bent grass course Ooh. with large undulating greens. I played that course in September. It does feel very similar 
to Kasuma Gaseki. Unfortunately, Austin Eckrode isn't in the field this week. I'd, I'd probably <laughs> like him a little bit more. But yeah, this is a good course for him. 12th at Shadow Creek, 3rd at Quail Hollow. We'll see. Let's get into some of the uh, some of the other guys. So 20 through 50, I'm just going to list off a bunch of these guys for you, Luke, and you tell me okay. who interests you at the end. But all these guys are somewhere in the 20s, like Shane Lowry, Cameron Smith, Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Answer, Corey Connors, Mark Leishman, Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J.M. Now we get a little bit more into the 30s with Bezaden Howd and Norin and Higo, and I guess we can stop there before we get into maybe some long shots at the end. Perfect. Yeah, one that that is the other one that I fired. So I've made two bets. One was Paul Casey, and, and one is uh, Cameron Smith. Kind of liked Cameron Smith, just like feel wise, just thinking like, you know, somebody who probably is going to be mid priced, who is is better than kind of the general public probably thinks he is, and and just seems like he could play well at this course. Was Cam Smith when I ran the numbers? I think he came out fourth in my model. You know, basically solid in every aspect of of you know what i was looking at is you know putting really well his short game is fantastic second at the november masters and whoa top like top five at the regular masters so i mean either way that that augusta plays i think he's got two fifths on either side of the i think he went like fifth second fifth if i'm not mistaken at the masters so any way that augusta plays he plays it well um it seems like he is he's the perfect fit and he's just kind of got this this swagger about him um he's got the mullet factor working for him he's just playing really good golf all year long another Alistair mckenzie design if i'm not mistaken is royal melbourne and he's obviously australian and probably has played there a ton so cameron smith makes a ton of sense to me i got him at 20 i thought that was a, a really good number considering you know it just kind of drops off a cliff after after the likes of sure. you know him and the Neemans and Connors and, and that of the world. And so being, you know, same price as Sung J M, Joaquin Neiman, Corey Connors answer, I think that Smith is very clearly the best player of those five. So that's where I went. Interesting. Yeah. He also finished eleventh at Shadow Creek, fourth at Sherwood as well. So he is one of the guys that I am I'm kind of deciding between I've only made two bets as well. Luke, the one guy that I did bet, or I'll start with the first guy, but I like Shane Lowry, man. I think he makes a lot of sense here. He just keeps showing up, and I don't think that the open win at Portrush was like an anomalous win. Like He's a really good player. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he won another major. Already this season, he's 21st at the Masters, 4th at the PGA, 8th at the Players, 12th at the British most recently, and 6th at Memorial. So just a lot of really good finishes and really good fields. He's won at Firestone before as well. People like that comp. And the Irons have just been pretty electric. He gained over 1.3 strokes on approach in every measured start since March. So I went with Lowry. I got him at 22 to 1. And then the other bet that I've made, Luke, and this is so like off-brand for me, I absolutely never bet this guy ever and it's not going to be who you think it is i i'm telling you right now this is a player that i like actively chirp and call overrated i could not tell you the last time i bet this dude but i think abe answer is going to win the gold medal i really do wait where were you where were you going connor's i was i was praying that you were going to say bezayden and then i wanted to just dive in on on 
Oh, we can dive in go. on Bazadenhout. The problem is, I bet Bazadenhout almost every week. I love Bazadenhout. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember if you were if you were on him or if you're a Bazadenhout guy or not. But yeah, answer. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I'm just I kind of the same with you. I like I'm just a never answer guy. Never. You know, I, I I don't think that he's. I don't know. Can I make the case? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so he's called this the fifth major, according to okay. Ben according to Ben Coley's article. Okay. He plays better overseas than in the U.S. That's, we know that. He's won the Australian Open, really good in the President's Cup, as you alluded to, an Alistair McKenzie design. He dominated on that. He contended at the November Masters, second at Quail Hollow, awesome on bent grass. He's hitting the ball great. I just feel like this is a good spot for him. And he's not getting the love that he gets at the Travelers and the Valspar and the Heritage. I, no one's talking about him. And Coley's the only guy I've seen pick him. I think you play Abe on the weeks where he's not getting that steam. And I don't know, man. Like, I know there are a lot more bodies in those fields, but like the guy's 25 to 1 at the Travelers and the Valspar. I, I don't think that this is that absurd of a number for him, given the context and what everyone else's number is. He's really got to beat 15 guys. And this just feels like a spot that makes a lot of sense for him. I could be off base by that. It, it was more of a feel thing where I was like, wow, I like, like Abe answer for the first time ever. Yeah. I mean, if it really is kind of a, a distance off the tee is neutralized event, like I think it is. You know, he's probably going to be hitting the 275 in the fairway and giving himself chances a lot. So that makes sense. You know, in my model, and I don't know, I try not to get married to models because I think that that's a dangerous way to, to handicap golf. There's, there's so mm-hmm. much more to it. But, you know, in the, in the plus 200 proximity, 38th in this field, which actually not great. A, bunch of these, a bunch of these guys aren't even, don't even have, you know, recorded rounds on Fantasy National. 45th in that 125 to 150 range. So that's not great. Um, 75 to hundred, he's 29th. So it's like in the proximity distances, it doesn't show that he should be good, but in just about everything else, you know, birdies, uh, bent grass putting, you know, just putting recent. I looked at, um, fairways gained he's third in the field. So it's, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's one that is polarizing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on Abe. Um, but it's an interesting I, I, one. I hate it. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. one. No, I, I, um, I fully endorse hate if you do. That's, I mean, it is a, it is very off brand for me. And it, it kind of just like came to me in a weird way where I was just like, I, I think like I'll do it this week. But um, you're right. The comp, the comp courses, he's been really good. Let me see what, how's he done in like some of these Asian type events? Uh, Cause I ran a little model just taking in like, those three kind of Asian Sheshin and Kuala Lumpur yeah. and all those ones. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look at that to Mid- be honest with you. Middle of the pack. So, I mean, he's, he's been average. Yeah. 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 He's, it's not a bad number. It's not a bad like number. Like you said. I don't think so. So yeah, compared to, compared to like real PGA events with full fields, sometimes he comes in at that number. And just mushed yeah, to death in those two. Just like, right. just like mushed to death as like the, 25% on DraftKings and just like everyone's yeah. like doesn't want to miss out on the win. And it's like, why not? Why not bet him here instead? Like I, 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 can I see miss- a, I see a bronze medal coming for a answer. 
<laughs> Listen, yeah, maybe you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe that's the better way to play him. I haven't even looked at the metal odds. It's just like top three. I don't I think guess. I have them. I don't have any access to that. It's just gold. That's all I've got access to. Okay, well, let's. You want to do Bez? You want to do your Bez case? So yeah, I do. I I, I would love to do the Bez case. Wasn't even like really thinking about him pre you know before the week. I. I really love Christian Zadenhout. I, I think his dominance on the European tour is is awesome. I'm just like the way that I play golf myself, like an actual you know golfer, mm-hmm. is is I'm not very long. I'm not super like dialed with my irons, but my my short game is really good. You know, I can get up and down from just about anywhere. I, I putt really well, and that's what saves me in, as a golfer. And and Cbez is that guy. Like he is not long. He's not pounding greens. He's not sticking at the five feet all day, but he, he'll get up and down from anywhere in the world and he will put the absolute lights out. Um, and so I was, you know, that's just kind of who he is. I wasn't expecting him to pop up in my model a ton and I ran and he comes out third. And, you know, so obviously the, the putting stats, he's, he's really high in unreal with um, his wedges. He's really good with his wedges. The one twenty five the to fifth one fifty seventh. Um, third from 75 to a hundred, you know, he hits fairways. He's hit, you know, 14th from a hundred to 125. There was not a, a stat that I put in my model and I put in like shit, 11 stats, a bunch of them. I have super low just so I could like see it visually, like where they are, sure. but not have a factor too much into it. But in the 11 stats that I was looking at, he is inside the top 25 in every single one. He's the only guy in the field who was top 25 in every single stat. Like, even, you know, even Morikawa is 32nd in proximity outside 200. Even Hovland is 38th in three-putt avoidance, you know. So there wasn't a red box when you go across the line on Christian Bezadenhout. Um, and so, you know, if distance doesn't matter, perfect. If, if big, you know, tough greens are really important and not three-putting is important and being able to get up from kind of tough – you know, these, these greens have a lot of elevation kind of runoffs into bunkers. If that's all important, Christian Bezade and is going to, is going to kill it. And I actually kind of was hoping for a better number. He's, he's 33 in my book. I don't know what you've got. Um, 33, so that's actually, 35. Yeah. Yeah. The only off off putting thing is that the number is a little bit lower than I'd like, but Christian Bezade wins a bunch of golf tournaments. That's one thing that he, he really does. Um, so I'm, I'm all in on CBS. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. There were some things that I really liked too. He's like the, I think he's number one putter in this field. He's fourth in short game, seventh and three putt avoidance, fourth in sand saves. He's awesome. That's one thing we didn't talk about a ton, but this course does look like it has a ton of bunkers and he's an excellent wedge player as well. Yeah. I, my, I mean, it's tricky because it's like when you think of a soft golf course like this, I think of Rory maybe even Corey Connors to like a lesser degree where it's like, there's probably a universe out here where like Corey Connors just has 80 birdie putts this week, but at the same time, yeah. And makes 10 of them. Exactly. (laughs) But you, I think of like, I think of all of Rory's wins at like congressional and all of those soft golf courses where the carry distance and the ball just plops and then you stick your wedge and it just plops JT too, as well plays really well at some of those golf courses. But you look at some of the, guys that were up there at the top of the leaderboard at the November masters. And it's guys like Sung Jay who we haven't really talked about a ton yet, but 
it's guys like Cameron Smith as well. And it's, it's a kind of a, a Dylan Fratelli as well, who is like really, really bad ball striker and has an unbelievable short game sometimes. So it, it really is hard to kind of decipher what player profile you want to go with here. I feel like you could, a lot of guys could work depending on how you want to play the narrative out. Yep. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I'm just kind of banking on, on what my analysis of the course is and, and trying to focus on the guys that fit that. And so, yeah, Cebes is the guy for me in that range. And I don't really know if I've got anybody else in this range. What do you like? Do you have any compelling cases for anybody else? So the two moves that I've made are Lowry and uh, answer. And, and I, in this range, I'm deciding between, I'm going to add either like, Cam Smith, Connors, or Neiman. The thing with Neiman is, and it's similar to Hovland, where I just have such a hard time trusting him. I know he's so talented, and I get it, but he isn't. He still hasn't done anything, and you know, zero major top tens in his career. But at the same time, if we're purely just kind of modeling out if this is a course fit for Joaquin Neiman, I think this is a fantastic fit for Neiman. He's awesome on bent grass. It's his best surface by like a mile. Um, his only win came on bent, and he gained like nine strokes putting that week at the Greenbrier. Six at Shadow Creek, 17th at Sherwood, 18th at Quail Hollow. He's been really good on these tree-lined classical golf courses. He's a much better putter than a lot of these young guys too. Um, I just like, I, it's, I place him and Cam Smith and Corey Connors all in the same bucket right now where it's like, I like all of them. I think they're all going to play well. Like I mentioned with Connors, like some of the ball striking stuff I found on Connors, like it's pretty nuts. Like you kind of have yeah. to start taking the dude a little bit seriously, considering he's actually finishing top 15 in majors now, which is like a right. lot better than a lot of these guys, like 10th and eighth at the masters and 15th at the British open. So it, I just like it's between those three guys and I haven't been able to make a move. Leishman's interesting too. I mean, but it's just, I don't know. So I think, I think with this range, you know, and kind of going to what, what you said about like what kind of player profile is going to fit this course. I think a lot of it is going to come down to, is it going to play easier or hard? And yeah. Obviously we don't know that. Like it's, it's impossible to say there's a, a case I think for both, you know, based on, if they have the greens lightning fast, if, you know, there's the, the fairways are running, you know, but it doesn't sound like that's what it's going to be. It sounds like it's going to be softer, which leads me to believe it'll be more of like a scoring fest. And I think that walking team is really good in birdie fest. You know, that's why sure. I was on him uh, at the rocket mortgages. Like one of the things I looked at was birdie or better percentage in birdie fest in low scoring conditions. You know, I think that's where he thrives is when he can just bomb away gouge make some putts on hopefully bent grass greens uh, i think that's where he thrives and and Corey connors i think we're starting to see him turn into this player where he's really good at super difficult tests and it makes sense because off the tee he's going to hit it straight he's going to be in the fairway and he's going to hit his irons really close so he's never going to get himself into huge trouble where big numbers come into play um he's going to two putt a lot and make a lot of pars and when pars a good score i think that Corey connors is is a guy, you know, and that's why we've seen him pop at all these majors um, and some of these tougher, tougher tests. So I think that that would be who betters this week is to decide and, and, and take a stand on, is this going to be a birdie fest or is this going to be like pars good score most of the time? And 
And I lean towards more of a birdie fest. So if I were to be looking at either like a Neiman or a Connors or, you know, just trying to make a decision one guy or another, I'm going to take the guy who's, who's comfortable going low. So that, that would be my case out of those guys. But I think I've already made my stand on, on Smith at that range. And, and I'm just calling it there. Have we heard anything from uh, the greenskeeper there? Because if I've learned any, yeah, if I've learned anything from the British Open, it's like listen to what that dude's fucking saying. That's actually, man, how important. Yeah, people should be having greenskeepers. Yeah, I bet Baz and Cam Smith there thinking it was going to be hard. (laughs) Right, that would have been perfect. I think we need to figure out who it is and get a translator and and figure out what the hell is gonna this course is gonna play like because that probably would. uh, would open some doors for us as far as, you know, the avenue to the right guys for this course. I would probably lean birdie fast. I just, when I hear soft, I just think these guys are so good with their irons that anytime, like if you really think about what makes a PGA tour course hard for professional golfers, it's not really distance. It's Firm and fast conditions, always. It's yeah. always firm and fast conditions that and make weather. it hard. Yeah, and weather and wind and stuff like that that make it yeah. hard for these guys. And as soon as I heard soft, I just I felt like it was going to be on the easier side. But who knows? I could be wrong. I spent so much time analyzing the open, and it was not it was not even close to what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, like not even not even like too. not not even on the planet of like how yeah. I expected it to play. So yeah, we'll I see. Agree. Yeah, we will see. There's only one way to find out. Um all right, man. So are there any bombs that you are betting? Yeah, so I think once you get past like probably Sebes, I mean, even getting into like Guido and Higo, who I love. I know um, you love Higo. You know, and some of these guys, all of a sudden it drops off to like guys who I don't think really have much of a chance. Um, one guy I looked at a little bit was Carlos Ortiz. I, I really tried to build a case. He's kind of, to me, a, a kind of guy who is really good when like hitting the center of the green or hitting the center of the fairway is important and he's got his driver working. You got to marry those two together and get lucky that the driver's working that week. I tried to make a case, but man, looking at his recent form, it's just not good. And, and in the model, he really didn't rate out that well. So I probably going to pass there. You know, I, I want to go to the, the Euro Thomases, the Dietrich and Peters, just because I like those guys, but like, can they beat the likes of, you know, Morikawa and, and Xander and Thomas and, you know, even Casey and Reed, like, I don't think so. They can't beat anybody. They, they can't even win these like, terrible European tour events, you know? So it was tough. It got real slim pickings past that. But the first one that I was looking at is, uh, and, and he might be a little popular and a little chalky, but, uh, Mito Pereira, one twenty five. Sure. you know, he, he's a winner. That's one thing I'll say about Mito is he won, he won three times in the corn Ferry tour, got his automatic promotion. I think he missed his first cut by like one or two, you know, 30th and then back to back top sixes, I believe. I think fifth and sixth at Barbasol and, and 3M. And granted, those aren't the best fields, but like as far as depth, they're not too dissimilar from this field. Um, so that's a guy who who I think could is just playing really good golf. And if it's soft, he might be able to just throw some darts and and you know get get hot and make some birdies. Um so 125 on on Mito. And then the other guy who rated out really good was uh Norlander, 150 yeah, stats wise. 
stats wise, he rates out phenomenal for me, but he also kind of sucks at golf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 that there's always that with yeah. henrik norlander <laughs> yeah yeah it's like his his final score does is not good but his stats are phenomenal he's one of these kind of anomaly guys but i don't know it worked yeah i think norlander i think he could make some noise as his top 20 play i'm gonna use mm-hmm. him in in DraftKings a little bit if if the ownership's not out of control he he gained 7.6 strokes on approach at the barbasol in his last start. I know it's a barbersaw, but that's, that's really good. Yeah. He's been, he's been good off the tee too. Um, he's putting way better and really good with his wedges. So I think he can make some noise. I think Munoz can play well here. Top 10 at Eastlake on Zoysia. That's the other thing we didn't talk about a ton, but these Zoysia fairways, they are, it's not a surface that, uh, guys are super familiar with. And the two courses that I'm familiar with that I know have Zoysia fairways are TPC Southwind and, um, Eastlake, which immediately right. brought me to guys like Xander and JT. But Munoz has played well at Eastlake. He's top 10 at Shadow Creek. He was 14th at the November Masters. He's awesome on Bent. It's his best surface. Third at Colonial and Greenbrier on Bent. And fourth at TBC Deer Run on Bent. All of his best performances are on tree-lined golf courses. So I think Munoz is going to play well. I don't think he's going to win at at 100 to 1 or whatever. I mean, I... I mm-hmm he's shown that he struggled to put four rounds together like in the John Deere. So I, I don't think he's going to win, but I think, I think he can make some noise this weekend. Uh, maybe if you want to bet, bet him like to top five or whatever, I, I think Munoz will play well. Our first round leader bet's going to be a thing. Yeah. 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 Shout that, out, shout Munoz out to land. our, shout out to our buddy, John PGA yeah. tout who I, I played golf with this week. I know he will be on Munoz first round later and I might tell him on that. That seems like a pretty, pretty uh, decent play this week. Yeah. That's what he does, man. He just fires crazy rounds on a Thursday. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, we didn't talk at all. So you are not getting, you're not into the Siwoo and Sungjae thing this week at all, huh? Man, I'm really torn. And yeah, I'm glad that, that you you got you went there because I figured we'd talk about it at some point. Yeah. You know, Sungjae, I love Sungjae. I would give, you know, my not my firstborn child. He's <laughs> my secondborn, though. I might <laughs> give for Sungjae to not have to go to military service. Like, you know, I just, uh, I love Sung Jam and it would just be heartbreaking to lose him from the PGA Tour. And I really love Siwoo too. Um, I just think that he's, he's a really fun guy to watch and he you know, can win golf tournaments and it just sucks to see, you know, we've seen it a few times with these guys who they, they got to go do their military service and they're never the same. And I, it would really be heartbreaking to see that happen to these two. Um, you know, we touched on the motivation factor before. Yes, obviously their motivation factor is bigger. Military service probably sucks. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's probably not a lot of fun, and you don't get to play on the PGA Tour and travel to like all the coolest golf courses in the world and make millions of dollars and play golf, which these guys seem to love. So, certainly makes a lot of sense. But to win the gold medal, I just don't. You know, we're we're betting with our real money here, and and I want to. I would be super happy for these guys if they avoided military service. If they got bronze and silver. I'd be so stoked, you know, but I just, at their prices, actually Siwoo's price is fair. I think mm-hmm. you know, 50 to one for a guy who is a PGA tour winner, proven, proven winner and, and kind of rates out pretty well for what we think the course should play like. So actually Siwoo, I'll probably just get there on a very small bet just so that I have it just in case. And Sungjae, I'll probably just bet a few bucks just in case, but like, 
I'm not going to tout them. You know, that's not going to yeah. be like guys who I, I'm not playing strokes gained military service avoidance. I'm just, it's just a, I think you said it and it's just a square play. And I think that you're right. I, yeah, I, I warmed up to him a little bit when I thought about the November masters a little bit more. I don't think he's going to bomb by any means. I think he's fine, no. but I, I just, take the whole military thing out of the picture. Like he just hasn't been playing good golf. He's had one top five since January and he plays in like a lot of bad events, Luke, like a lot of weak field events that you would think that he should clean up in. And and I know because I, I bet him all the time in those events at like 30 to one or 20 to one at the Palmetto. And he like barely makes a cut. And I just, I'm not like actively seeking him out in matchups. I don't think that he's going to like step up to the first tee and pull like a Rory at Portrush where it's just the pressure is too immense. I think he's going to be ready to go. But I also don't think that, especially at the number and the guys that are kind of around him, I just, I don't think that he's going to, I don't think that he's going to ultimately get there. Siwoo, you're right. I mean, Siwoo, it's very hard to make a case ever against against like not betting Siwoo because he wins and he's won the players and Siwoo's ceiling is as good as like a lot of elite player ceiling. The only difference is that his floor is so low as well. Like the last time that we saw Siwoo, he was eight over at the John Deere and he walked off the course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to make a legitimate case other than the military thing for these guys. And, and I guess playing the other side of it is that, they, I think, have been there for a long time. I would assume mm-hmm. that they've, if they are allowed to be like getting practice rounds out there, they have been, you know, growing up, they probably played on like similar agronomy and just kind of a similar part of the world that might, might help them. So there's, there's certainly some things that, that point to them. Um, but I think that people are overplaying the, the like motivation factor because, Everybody wants to win. They showed up because they want to win. You you alluded to it in your uh, in your preview. Like no one's gonna miss putts because it would mean that Siwoo gets to avoid no. military service. Like <laughs> screw you, Siwoo. Like we're we're playing for the same prize purses every week. Like you're one less good player yeah. I got to play against. Like I don't think I don't think that people are gonna mail it in. That's just absurd to think. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, man. Well, I think we covered everyone that i wanted to cover man oh let me throw you a curveball have you seen the um fashion have you seen the u.s the u.s i i uniforms isn't the right word it's what they're wearing have you seen the pictures i'm not sure if i've seen like what their game day gear is i've seen you know pictures of them in their practice rounds and stuff i don't know if that's the same Okay, good point. Um, yeah, you're right. They probably have a different getup for every day, including the practice rounds. Right, and I've seen the, I don't know, I guess, hmm. yeah, I don't know if I've dug into it enough. I, I know that, like, I mean, my club has a bunch of Adidas USA gear, and okay. so I know I've seen, you know, Morikawa's, like, Adidas gear. I don't know if they all have, like, a specific brand that they're wearing or if they're wearing their normal brands, like, if if Patrick Reed's going to show up in, like, G4 or whatever, or, like, I don't know. I hope, I kind of hope they have like a, a country uniform though. I know the the British, you know, the great Britain dudes, Paul Casey's got like some wacky shirt with a bunch of geometrical. Did you see the, going on. the Fleetwood, the visor he was wearing too? Oh God, no. God. 
Dude, I'm I'm not a thousand percent convinced that Tommy Fleetwood is not an eight year old boy in a grown man's <laughs> body because he dresses like an absolute child. The I know ni- you saw him at at U.S. Open. He's wearing a sweater. It's the only guy in the course on a sweater that's three sizes too big. Like, what is what is that guy doing? My question with some of the like the Nike the Nike reps are they just like fuck it at this point? I think that Nike is trying. I don't know what they're trying to do exactly. They're trying too hard at whatever it is because they're trying to do stuff that's different. They're trying to like do stuff that. Yes. Uh, um, that is abundantly queer. Yeah. So, I mean, they have those one shirts with like the zigzag line or like the yeah. bent lines. And I was reading that those are supposed to be like, if you're looking at a golf course map, you know, like the, the aerial view map that like, that's the shape of a hole. Oh my God. That's like <laughs> what that's supposed to be. And, um, they had the ones for Tory pines that were supposed to be the bark of a tree, like a, of a Tory yep. pine tree. It looks like a barcode. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, they're clearly trying too hard, but like they kind of are on like a cool, it's kind of cool, but it's also just horrible to look at. You can't, they're ridiculous. I feel like Rory, I feel like they try this stuff with Rory and Rory's like, I am good on this. Yeah. And then they're like, Give me okay. the solid, and, yeah. Solid and they're solo, like, like, and and they're like, I bet we can get Tommy to wear this. Tommy will wear anything. <laughs> that guy will wear the goofiest shit. I think I posted it like there was a shirt on there. And I was like, that's the ugliest damn shirt I've ever seen. Like coming to a Tommy Fleetwood near you. They're like, and, they're and like, he did, he did wear that shirt. They're oh. like, they're like sitting in the Nike lab together. And one of the guys is like, how about I just like draw a bunch of squiggly lines on this? And the other guy's like, you sure? And the guy's like, yeah, Tommy will wear it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Dude, and he does. He wears it in every color. They make it in four colors. He wears it four days in a row. It's the worst, man. Um, so yeah, that I mean, th- we we completely digress. But um, okay, wait, one more thing. Give me your yeah. top three. Give me the give me the medals. Medals go to Paul Casey, first place. Gold. Cam- gold. Yes, Cameron Smith will take home the silver. <sighs> Siwoo bronze. Okay. I like that a lot. Service with a third place bronze finish. I like that a lot. Okay. I think Abe answer is going to win the gold. Um, I'll, even though this is, I I would probably go Xander at, at, at silver, even though that is like kind of the worst case scenario for a guy like me, if he finishes (laughs) second at this too. Oh, he would. Can you imagine? It's going to suck no matter what. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we didn't talk about him at all, but it, it's like perfect. Like if I was like, yeah. if I was building a perfect golf course for Xander Shoffley, like I right. would build this one. But what do you yeah, say about Xander, he's clearly one of the best players ever. And or, I mean, of, of our era and he doesn't win very much. Yes, that is true. He does not. So I... I'll say no then, because I, I actually don't want that for him. I'll go with Lowry, and then I'll give it to Siwoo, too. I, I like Siwoo a little bit. Siwoo I, I, for the bronze, baby. Yeah, I like Siwoo a little bit here more than I like Sungjae. And I think with, I think with Siwoo, because the other thing is that Sungjae, it's not his last chance. He has the other chance in Paris. This is Siwoo's last chance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into it. All right, buddy. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you this week? Yeah, you can find me at, at Luke Sweat It Out. 
you know, I'm, I'm always there to interact with anybody who adds me and you can slide into my DMS and I'll answer any questions you got. That's how I did it. That's how we yeah, be making fun of people. And, and you know what we didn't mention, which is awesome is that this is going to be primetime golf in the U S I know I'm super psyched. I'm super yeah, psyched. So when Wednesday in the U S will be Thursday in Japan, but it'll be primetime. And, and so I'm going to be tweeting like crazy. My wife's going to be pissed. <laughs> she's going to have to watch golf at night. Like she's going to be so mad. Well, um, it, it could be perfect because if you does it work out where you're able to put the baby down right before it starts, or does that kind of intersect a little bit? Because I know like it's yeah. eight fifty four for you West Coast time, so it'll be perfect. He'll be he'll be going to sleep. Um, yeah, the wife will be wanting to watch, uh, you know, Handmaid's Tale or whatever, and I'm gonna just have golf on my phone on the side, and it's gonna be perfect, man. I'm so stoked. All right, buddy. Well, I am very stoked as well. And as always, um, it was a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And I know that we will do it again soon. Luke, thanks so much for coming on, my man. Thanks, buddy. I, uh, your biggest fan and, and I'm really <laughs> happy to be on again. And yeah, I hope it's not the last time. And I hope we uh, have a successful betting and I'll see you on the flip side, bud. That's it for the show, guys. I will be back on this podcast feed Sunday afternoon with an in-depth breakdown of TPC Southwind. Really excited for that one. Until then, enjoy the Olympics. See you next time.